0: This is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering four conversations from Season 3, Episode 40, our look at best practices in Lean Nash, plus from The Vault, a 2021 conversation that touches on issues surrounding cirrhosis, which is the stage in disease at which lean Nash is diagnosed far too often. The main focus of this conversation is on the process that Michelle Long and Mazineurdeen used in writing their recent best practices piece and their key goals for how it would be received. They discussed their initial challenge in defining precise BMI goals and differentiating by racial origin, the way that their clinical experience fed into their construction of the 15 best practice advice elements, and why they considered the creation of an easy- to follow algorithm and simple to observe charts and tables as so key to successful adoption of their recommendations. Mazin and Michelle's article provides clear step-by-step guidance on how to identify, diagnose, and treat a rarer form of NASH that far too often is diagnosed in the ED, by which time the patient has progressed to cirrhosis and begun to decompensate. When followed, this algorithm can help lean NASH patients by identifying disease in its earlier stages when it has not yet had a dramatic impact on daily living, quality of life, or life expectancy. So sit back listen, enjoy, learn. And when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn and Facebook discussion groups. why don't we move on to our episode? As I mentioned, I skim a lot of journals and unbeknownst to me, I'm skimming and I noticed this best practices article on Lean Nash from Mazin and Michelle. And I said, oh, perfect. This is a subject I care about and people who've been fantastic guests on the podcast. So let me ask you folks to just start by talking about what was the impetus for you to put this together.
1: Mazen Nouradine. I think we were asked for it, which we were quite excited about. I was excited about working with Michelle. It's the American Gastroenterology Association. They have been putting out a lot of these documents and papers and And I thought it was brilliant of their side to address this or tackle this problem that is prevalent, including the United States, not just Asia, as people think. And when we got the invitation, I said yes immediately and we got to work. Okay. This is a
0: little different to me. So what does it take to pull together a paper like this?
2: Michelle Long. Yeah, it takes a lot of coordination. I think we had an outline that we started with and we thought about what really is going to be practically helpful. And that comes a lot from our own clinical experience uh, and the kind of questions that we've had to address when we're seeing patients um, with suspected fatty liver disease who um, maybe don't fit the classic phenotype and are lean, and also just observations we've seen from looking at the literature. First of all, there's a lot of papers who use different definitions of lean, or they'll interchange non-obese with a with lean, and, and those mean different things. So first, we started with kind of getting on the same page around what are we talking about when we talk about NAFLD. It
0: struck me that the first best practice. Being, let's all get on the same page on what BMI we're looking at, and I said, boy, that's that's an interesting place to start, right? It's like where everybody should start, but you assume people are common, so they weren't. Okay, and then and then from there, what did you settle on early as being key points to address and things we wanted to make sure that people you wanted to make sure that people were thinking about and doing properly?
1: One thing I, I really want to go back to is the definition of BMI, and I'll let Michelle does that because she was very precise when we started about that point. But in general, that the document summarizes just a uh, practice advice. And we had 15 of those, and we started outlining those as the foundation of our work. And then when we reviewed it with Joseph Lim, or Joe Lim, who was our co-author from the AGA, then you send it to the AGA, I guess, scientific committees and reviewer. And they have their reviewer's input recommendation, and it builds the foundation. Of course, when we had the 15 best advices, we did a review for the entire literature. So the work was kind of done in terms of literature review up front to make sure we're precise with these 15 advisors. And then after it was reviewed by the AJA committee, we got them back. And this is when we actually
0: translated what we looked into the literature into words. So Michelle, walk me forward in the process from there. You get the paper, you got the 15 things and now walk me forward.
2: This is a broad topic, obviously. It's a whole, you know, how do you approach people that are lean with NAFLD? So we wanted to, first of all, talk about the definition and talk a little bit about the epidemiology and what we know about the natural history and then more information about how do you actually diagnose? What are the other conditions that you want to think about when people present who are lean at, with suspected NAFLD? And then on to management, because there are definitely nuances in taking care of people that are lean. Because, you know, Our standard approach of diet and weight loss needs to be thought about in this particular context. So that's how we kind of came up with those 15 best practice points. And we actually came to pretty quick consensus on that. It was very helpful to have that done first, uh, you know, and then we went in and did a deep dive on the literature to provide background around those specific points. So that was the basic process of how we uh, went forward.
0: Okay. Anything surprised you as you? conferred together on this and went through the literature and all that?
1: I mean, it sounds like saying no could be a little bit too confident, but probably no, because I think Michelle and I, we have been doing this for a while. I speak for myself and almost a decade, and I'm very focused on on the topic. And I want to bring up one of my early cases. Um, I had two brothers from India that came to my office. They were lean, and uh, they sat down in my office, and they were frightened. And I started talking to them. One of them had F3 at age of 42, and the other one had no fibrosis at the age of 38, I think, and they had biopsies with NASH. As I said, the 42 or 43 years old had F3, and the 38 or 39 had no fibrosis, which I thought initially like he was scared because of the F3, but then I learned that a brother of theirs died in India. They were here visiting in the U.S. The brothers of theirs died in India, and he was slightly older than these guys in 46 or 47, died of NASH cirrhosis. That's quite Right. An early age to die of NASH cirrhosis, and I guess I don't want to call it NASH immediately on these guys because then, stimulated by curiosity, is there a secondary cause why these people are having it at such a young age? Are there hereditary things, genetic things, other underlying etiology, which we emphasize on greatly in this document? It's this is the difference between a straightforward document on the, your conventional typical NAFLD patients versus the, those lean. You have really to pin it down, make sure that you're not missing something else. We say dual liver biopsy, if you're not sure here. There is a nice table that explains many secondary causes of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and NASH that I think we take it in greater consideration than in your typical NAFLD screening guidance paper. So there's a twist. There is some art into these patients. It's both sides. The one side is if they're lean, that doesn't mean that you should ignore them and not screen them like what happened now with the new documents, with diabetes and metabolic syndrome and all this. And we can get into the details. But at the same time, we're saying, make sure you're not missing something else. And those are the conditions that you have to focus on and probably do additional work on such patients.
0: So Michelle, you were nodding as Malzin was speaking. Um, anything in particular?
2: We spent a lot of time on uh, the tables and figures for this paper because the goal, knowing our colleagues or busy clinical colleagues out there, will you know maybe only have time to skim through the recommendations and look at the tables and figures. And you can get a lot from just looking at that in this document. Not everyone who comes in with suspected NAFLD who's lean needs to have every test measured. So we wanted to provide sort of a stepwise approach. And you can see that in our table where we describe four or five tests that are in the top part of the table. These are things that really should be considered in all patients because of how common they are and how easy they are to consider, such as covert alcohol use, for example, or hepatitis C genotype 3 in particular, which often has fat. So some simple considerations there. And then the bottom part of the table, we provide a lot of clinical information about different scenarios that you might take you down a different path and help hone your diagnostic tests. So if they're thinking about a lipid disorder or other metabolic disorders that might contribute, or you know even pregnancy, where you might have special considerations. So these are things that, depending on the clinical context, you want to consider in your patient. Patient that you're trying to figure out what is driving their fatty liver disease.
3: Louise Campbell. I thought it was an excellent piece, and I thought there was a lot of synergy, obviously, with the other guidelines so that we're trying to. There's a definite move, obviously, that you were trying to mirror what is already out there. So there's a consistency of message, whether or not you're non-lean or lean Nash, which I think is great because how do we just, most of the people I know who are slim with Nash, people have never really looked at it in the past. They've never even thought to look because they look slim or they go to the gym or other aspects. But did you think, or is there enough data there to split out the Asian population? Because obviously Asia covers a vast set of continent, from Indian subcontinent, Bangladesh, um, Pakistan, all the way through Japan, and down to the Vietnamese and that type of Asia. Was there a a difference or a delineation in people's risk factors within the, again, subcategories within Asia? Because Asia is a big group.
2: Yeah, that's an excellent point, Louise. We really don't have that granular detail at this point, unfortunately. That's definitely an area that we'll need more information. As more studies are done worldwide with diverse populations. It's incredibly important. We do talk about the different BMI considerations, um, different cu- lower cutoffs for people of Asian descent, but you're right. I mean, that's incredibly broad categorization. So hopefully in future iterations of this, we can get a lot more specific.
1: Yeah, I want to echo, Michelle, a lot of our literature actually came from Asia, like for instance, the 3 to 5% recommendation of weight loss. Although people say I don't, they don't have much weight to lose, they're a lot of them you see like there's improvement with that three to five percent and this is based on a study done by Vincent Wong and it showed that it helped these patients with their alcoholic fatty liver disease. So again to emphasize a lot of data came from Asia but all I mean after this document or toward the end of it which we did not include that we just published a paper from the enhanced data on Asian American and hepatology communication showing that Asian Americans that they tend to be more lean which is not surprising but also they did not necessarily had Less fibrosis or advanced fibrosis, and fibrosis than the regular non lean patients or normal weight patients. So there are data emerging, as Michelle said, we need more and more from uh, Asia, as like Asia had a lot, but we also need it from the West lean as well. There are papers that came from India on lean naffold, one published in Hepatology a few years ago, and it was quite informative. <laughs>
2: And now, back to Roger.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Surfing the Nash Tsunami on Wednesday, August 17th. Yarnell will be back from vacation and Stephen Harrison will be with us. Until then, stay safe and surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.